this is Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 132, Dog in the Gap. Today is a little bit sad. I'm going to be reading from a book that I created with Doug Jackson in 2013 called Dog in the Gap, Brief Explorations in Canine Caretaking and Human Flourishing. This is a book we put together with some essays in it. I suggest getting the bonus edition if you're interested in getting it. But the reason I'm reading one of the essays out of it is because we lost our family friend, Luna, our chocolate Labrador retriever that we got about seven years ago. And she really became a part of our family. We notice her absence a lot because even though she had grown old and sort of paralyzed in her back legs and was mostly a sort of a lump on the floor and didn't play too much or want to go outside much anymore. She certainly needed a lot of care. And now that she's gone from our lives, that gap is noticeable. And in writing Dog in the Gap, Doug Jackson and I really featured some of those things that dogs teach us, some of those gaps that dogs fill for us, even in spiritual ways and the spiritual lessons they can teach us. I'll be adding links in the show notes for this episode, as well as on sparkmymuse.com for this episode. If you're interested in taking a look at that book that was published a while ago, you may have never heard of it because it came along before I started doing the podcast. It's with a little bit of a sad and grieving heart that I read from this essay today. This essay is called Taming. I am convinced that God uses our pet dogs to help fill in the gaps. When I decided to adopt Luna, a five-year-old chocolate lab, I knew I had to jump in with both paws or feet once my husband, the consummate cat person, grudgingly agreed that our children would benefit from a canine pet. I was the one who had to make the final decision. The burden of care would fall on me. Sounds obvious. Well, if you care, caretaking involves a lot. After years of deferring pet ownership, I finally consented. Like a furry two-year-old who doesn't grow up, our dog provides us with both delight and frustration. She gets into scrapes and emits various kinds of excretions at the most inappropriate times. She pulls off endearing stunts and commences wild escapades that only a loving caretaker can endure. Why do this, I asked myself for the first two weeks. Then something changed. It's true, you can't halfway care for a dog and also halfway love it, or something bad can take over, resentment. Worse than that, the whole family is affected in the course of things going wrong. Love, even for a pet, is a choice, a risky one. After having Luna for a few days, I realized the experience would change me. It wouldn't simply change me into a more patient person, as I assumed the lesson would be. It was something else. The term pet ownership is a misnomer. We love objects we own, or we appreciate them and like how they make us feel. But caring for someone who needs you has nothing to do with possession. So when I say pet ownership, I'm really speaking of something that owns me. Not the dog, mind you, but the process. The process, even from the beginning, was a kind of surrender of my own will. It was a kind of agreement internally that changed me. Right away, I had to defer my own desire for ease in favor of something bigger and more lasting. I didn't just, quote, take one for the team, unquote. 
I let myself succumb to the thing. This is always the case in root level transformation. It's the hard part. People say, I'm a dog person, as if they were born that way. But what really happens is an arrival at this place by will. Some are softer to the idea than others, but true acceptance involves overlooking the stinky parts and the inconvenient aspects. You will hear people say, I'm a dog person, more than you will ever hear those people say, I'm a people person. Either way, it's a decision to have grace. People don't seem to engender it like dogs do. I had to decide to be a dog person, not just a dog tolerant person. It felt like joining the Marines. It's impossible to be partially a Marine, so I hear. A Marine is simply semprify, always faithful. Prince had been our dutiful family mutt in my childhood. I loved him and he loved me. For all the empathy Prince gave me as I cried through my hour-long piano practicing and all the times he warned the UPS delivery man not to come a step further, I knew I wasn't holding things together for him. I wasn't ultimately responsible for him. My mother was. There's a key difference in that. Luna is mine to keep. The surprise for me with Luna wasn't the keeping of her. It was the mutuality. In the classic short tale, The Little Prince, Antoni de Saint-Expiré gets to the crux of it. When the little prince finds a fox on a tiny planet, the fox educates him. He makes him aware that the only things that tame wild beasts are intimacy and vulnerability. But the taming goes both ways. The little prince is unfamiliar with the word tame and its meaning. So the fox tells him that taming is an ongoing act. It means to, quote, establish ties, unquote. He tells the little prince that if the prince does go on to tame him, they will need each other. Friends tame each other. He goes on to explain that the process of taming looks something like building trust and becoming familiar, quote, through proper rights, unquote. Honestly, I can't get through reading it without weeping. This is because I have found it experientially true. Certain friendships and trust have tamed me and healed places that I didn't know hurt. In these habits of taming, we make our dogs welcomed additions to the family, and then we realize the taming has gone both ways. It can, if we let it, carry over into other relationships this sacred act of taming each other. Instead of tolerating each other, we go further in. As we risk and make ourselves known and seen, the give and take of relationships breaks down our constructs. It rebuilds our suppositions with new materials. In the end, there is a mutual submission, perhaps echoing in whispers the essence of the Godhead three in one. You become responsible forever for what you have tamed, says the fox. And so begins God's work through his creation, the redeeming love that brings us back to him in ways we haven't expected. The chink in our armor is sometimes found by something furry and wet-nosed. And instead of being exposed and killed as we have expected to be, we are exposed and rendered useless to our old ways of relating. We become less harmful and more vital. The dog 
as a pet, wants to connect and wants to please us once the bond has been made. And that really is a profound thing and an awing responsibility, isn't it? So that essay is called Taming, which is chapter one in the book called Dog in the Gap, Brief Explorations in Canine Caretaking and Human Flourishing by Lisa DeLay and Doug Jackson. Just wanted to read you a little excerpt as I create a kind of ritual for the passing of our family pet. There'll be show notes for this. If you go to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse, there will be pictures of Luna from when we first got her until her last day. You can also get access to another essay I wrote about losing her. And those are available at a dollar, which goes to support the production costs of creating this podcast. It also unlocks over 200 other posts for all the other episodes. So that $1 goes a long, long way. And it also is very encouraging to see the support coming in for this show. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to contact me, you can reach me at contact at sparkmymuse.com or on Twitter at Lisa Delay or at Spark My Muse. And if you've lost a pet, you can relate your story. I'd love to hear it. We don't realize the gap till they're gone sometimes. So I'm wishing you well, and I will see you next week for another episode. May you be blessed. <laughs>